Welcome back to Displaced Underdogs, Episode 2. I am your host, Morgan, and today we are going to talk about my love and loathing of the word niche, and we're also going to talk about some holiday stuff. So, you know, some advice for the craziness that we all call the holiday season, starting with Thanksgiving, but really, should we call it Thanksgiving anymore these days? It's basically Black Friday shopping starts a day early. Anyways, a little ranty about that too, but uh, yeah. Um, I'll just throw out a few things about the holidays and how to possibly avoid some stresses and just to chillax through it as much as anyone can. So sit back, plug in, and enjoy. Alright, let's start by saying this feels a little more official. <clears throat> Second episode and scheduling hearing and adulting and getting something in my life together. <laughs> Can I say that I'm amazed that I'm actually fucking doing this? The first episode was just a cluster random jumble of just nerves. <laughs> like, man... Aaron listened to it and had some helpful feedback. He's still worried he may say something too judgy, but I'm a little fucking sensitive when it comes to people I love and respect giving me feedback, okay? I, it, I mean, at least when it comes to him and, like, my friends and my family, because I love them, I respect them, and... I have to see, especially Aaron, I have to see him day in, day out. And like my family, I see them a lot more than anybody else. Same with my friends. So, I mean, it, it's, I gotta fucking live with them. And they're all amazing. He is especially amazing. Amazingly annoying and arrogant and stubborn and just, ugh, at times. But also amazingly supportive and smart. And he's really funny and he's super witty and quippy. I mean, guys, he can come up with some of the most amazing random shit on the spot that just makes my day if I'm in a mood. And I know that I can be just as arrogant and stubborn and annoying. I mean, I'm a little sister, so... It's, it's kind of programmed in from birth, I guess. And I, I love him. I've lived with him for a long time now. And we know each other's buttons. So he's, he's just... He's amazing. And he gave great feedback. So, yeah. That first episode got published accidentally as well, by the way. I was pretty fucking nervous. And when I went to just save it, my phone had a moment. It's like it had had enough and decided to just say, Fuck it! 16th try. 16th try, man! Just post it and be done. If you don't, you never will. I love you. I'm gonna be loyal and faithful, but I'm also gonna be that friend. So let me just... Did I do that? 
At least it's out there now. No turning back. You're welcome. And I cringed. And then I panicked. A little bit. Actually, quite a lot. And then I got excited and nervous and excited. And I'm still running that roller coaster. Roller coaster. Roller coaster of emotions. And <laughs> still terrified, but more comfortable with it. So. Whew. Yup. So, now jumping in to what this podcast is about. This episode. Podcast. This episode. What this episode is about. Um, first things first. Let's talk about niche. Niches. Fucking niches. Yeah. In episode one, I touched on how I am the researcher type. Like, I will research something to death and all aspects and angles, even the <gasps> opposing side of an issue. I never took debate, but I understood debate because, again, my mom was a political science major and I was practically raised in a college classroom and debates happen. So, it's awesome. It's fun. But because of that, like, I research a ton. I find it fascinating, and I enjoy figuring out how shit works, how things came to be, or how people work. So, when looking into blogging and vlogging and YouTubing, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm using it. And podcasting, every expert had almost a main chunk or an entire blog post or article or video or episode devoted to niches and how to find your niche and niching down. Why you niche or why you should. It, it's like this important thing and I get it. You have regular folks that start blogs and vlogs and podcasts and other internet avenues of creating content because really they're kind of like myself they have a need to create but then they have a message that they want to get out there but it's just a hobby to them like kind of like in that movie Julia and Julie where she just starts it just to start it and and it's like a goal thing if she can keep herself on track trying something and posting something every day and I mean okay well that was part of the reason why she started it the other reason was you know I think in the movie they hit on the whole funny haha this guy and his dog and then that's the other part of it is some people start it to get their message and their product out there for business but myself and others we we started just to express ourselves and we don't we hope that we get somebody that listens to it like my first episode actually has four listens so thank you four listeners i hope you guys aren't completely turned off by this and come back but i mean even four listeners i mean like Aaron said, that's better than none, babe. 
And I'm like, yeah, actually, it is. It's pretty exciting. It's not anything to write home about, but it's it's a start, right? And I've not pushed this anywhere else other than a few shameless plugs in to random strangers just because I've had them go, you have really pretty skin, you have really pretty hair, your personality is just amazing, you, how come you're not in entertainment? And it's like, oh, actually, by the way, <laughs> I don't know if you would consider this entertainment, but I, I'm starting a podcast. Why did I say that? Come back, come back words, come back little birds, little bird words, come back to my mouth. And it's like, oh my gosh, you should really tell me what it is and I'll give you a listen. So if you're one of them, you guys are amazing and you guys rock. But then, but when you start one of these and you start to get a following and your numbers increase and you gain supporters and your analytics are just showing that you're now turning into like an influencer, companies, publishers, or advertisers actually start approaching people. It, you hear about it and it's not everybody I get it it's like let's be generous and say 10 percent 90 percent never go anywhere so and it's great it's fine because people still continue to do it because they enjoy doing it and honestly you should start doing this if you want to or you should just create what you want to create just for the simplistic reason of it's something that I got interested in and it's something I want to do but 10%, it starts off that way, and then you start to realize that you're getting this following, and you get approached. So, um, I get it, when starting a podcast, a, a lot of people end up starting stuff like this for business ideas that they've already got bouncing around, and it's just one of those things to think about the future, and like the bigger picture, if you will. And eventually you could monetize this. And that's great. That's awesome. Not the reason why I'm, I'm doing it. Not the reason why some people I know that have done this in the past have started, like have done it. But you do get talked a lot about, and if you research it, and a lot of work goes into any of these avenues, really, um, you when you start researching it, you, you just kind of, or if you just passively look into it, and not actively, just passively, I've got this idea, let's just Google search and read the top two things that pop up, or YouTube search it and watch the first two things that pop up, and usually you get a lot of um, how to start a podcast in like 11 easy steps, and one of the steps, one of the first top four steps of the 11, not top five, top four, is how to niche. What's your niche? Why should you niche? And, and either way, it is a buzzword and a concept you hear and see a lot. And it is one of the first steps, first four steps to think about. Finding your niche, how to niche down, how to create content for your niche, and how not to get bored or be boring for your niche. And many more titles, a ton of shit on fucking niche. I mean, okay, let's look at the definition of the word real quick for a moment. I mean, I'm going to try to de to use my best narrator voice. Um, I may slip into, and it's probably going to be more of my, like, regular slash Siri Alexa computer impersonation voice, but fuck it. First definition is from dictionary.com. Niche. 
Noun. A shallow recess, especially one in a wall to display a statue or other ornament. Two. A comfortable or suitable position in life or employment. Adjective. Denoting or relating to products, services, or interests that appeal to a small, specialized section of the population. Quick side note. Adjective is what you usually see a lot in your research or like an active, passive looking into YouTube, podcast, vlog, blog, whatever. Verb. Place or position something in a niche. And then we have a new and amusing way to pass my time, Urban Dictionary. It's it's new to me, guys. I've I've heard about it. I've kind of refused to really look into it. But, I mean, I realize how awesome it actually is because we fucking talk a lot of slang now. So, I have to fucking keep up because I have kids. I laugh. I cry. I blink all confused and just... What? Mind boggled or blown. And sometimes, because of that, I weep for humanity. But, Urban Dictionary's definition of fucking niches is brilliant. Niche. A position or activity that particularly suits somebody's talents and personality, or that somebody can make his or her own. An area of the market specializing in one type of product or service. Place in nature. This one kind of got me. This was a curveball from Urban Dictionary on niche. The role of an organism within its natural environment that determines its relations with other organisms and ensures its survival. For a recess in a wall, especially one made to hold a statue. Thank you, Urban Dictionary, for at least throwing in what Webster's, Merriam-Webster's, and Dictionary.com have. That's actually nice. And then... This one's just basically reiterating that point. Number five, hollow place. Any recess or hollow, e.g. in a rock formation. And then my favorite and final one. As used in gaming, something that has situational use, something that has little to no use. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. I uh, tried inhaling my own spit. doesn't work. Just FYI. But something that has little to no use. And the example sentence is great, guys. The term niche is niche because it cannot be used everywhere. So, I fucking love and love the word and concept of niche. Again, it's an odd relationship. Kind of like what we all have with certain things like luck, fate, love, and death, and for myself, fucking niche, and or niches. I find your word hollow and pedantic, or shallow and pedantic, kind of like a niche, a snobby niche. No, I'm kidding, but niche is just, it, it's limiting, it, and I just have so much more going up in my head and and my mind kind of pinballs around a lot 
as you can tell from episode one. Ha! I go off on tangents. I get into stories. I tie them in together because it makes sense in my head, but then when you speak it out, verbal word avalanche, it's not even vomit, it's avalanche, and then everyone's confused. So I get the, I get the reason behind niching. You need some direction. You need something more specific to talk about rather than a ton of shit to ramble on about. Start with a clear heading and or direction and become an authority in that niche. The best part about this word is that it self-describes itself. It's kind of like the brain is the only organism of, like, the only organ, not organism, the only organ in the human body. Let this sink in. The brain is the only organ in the body, in the human body, that named itself. That is, that's enough to kind of send you in the beginnings of an existential crisis. But, I mean... And, and again, after listening to my first episode, I fucking understand it. But at the same time, it's just, it's limiting. I mean, I suppose I'll niche down my episodes? <laughs> eh. Oh, wow. That totally sounds reassuring for you guys. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I mean... You know what? I, I just need to stand behind what I say. Well, not... That's not what I meant, but... Fuck it. I, I need to be more confident. That's how Aaron put it. I need to be more confident. That was one of his suggestions, and it's true. So... Fuck it. Confidence. Roar! Yes! I am confident! I'm strong! I'm just gonna jump now and shift gears real quick back to niche. I just can't really niche it down because, A, I'm a bit clueless as to what direction I really want to go with this podcast at present. So it's really hard for me to niche it down into a category. I wish there was a subcategory of other or miscellaneous. Could could we have that? Could that be a thing that's created? Because uh, there's story time. There's society and culture and there's like family and kids and everything that I have going on in my head and everything in my life at present revolves around that all of those I have some stories like I said I have some things that I want like things that pop up in my news feed on Instagram or Facebook or on my YouTube suggested watching or even like in the news and stuff that totally about society and culture that it's like I really have a strong opinion and I just I want to be able to talk to somebody about this because sometimes Aaron and I even though we have the same opinions it ends up we end up arguing and we're not even arguing the opposing side we're arguing the same set it's really weird because men and women have a different way of talking that's that's all that's I've come to that conclusion it's not even just him and myself but and and B, how does one niche down themselves? Work, parenting, etc. Everything that I just said with point A. Hey, haha. <laughs> I mean, it again, niching is so limiting. And well, see, A and B are the main points that come to mind right away. So <laughs> again, you guys are going to be joining me on this odd little adventure. I'm just gonna just 
repeat that one more time. We will laugh, we will cry, we will celebrate, and we'll possibly argue as well along the way of this crazy little journey of this podcast. But anyways, I just I just have an odd relationship with the word and concept of niching. Again, it, it feels like it's very limiting. Um, it's for like, you know, how to target your audience for your podcast and or service and or business and or social media. Like when you look it up specifically for these things, this is how this is kind of what you get a feel of the word for. (laughs) Like, yeah. And because of culture today and all the messages and ads, our brains have already put up filters like evolution, bitches. We, we have so many pop-up ads that like, that means they've created new fucking technology that kind of pinpoints specifically like what you search a lot and all that. But we have filters to the AI program filters. And so we listen to and we watch and we click on things that we want to listen to. So I get why niching helps. But yeah. And did you guys know, by the way, I'm an encyclopedia of useless random information. Some of it's cool, some of it's not. Like I said, I'm the researcher type, and I research some of the most random shit. I know a lot of people do the same. So, like, this is what I find fascinating. Do you know that today's average adult sees more messages and ads than, than adults did back in the 1900s? in their entire lifetime, we say, we see more ads and messages and advertising in one day than most adults back in the 1900s did in their entire life. So it's no wonder our brains just automatically put up these filters and it's no wonder experts give the advice of niche it down. I get it. So I guess that's why my episodes will be niche down. So, yeah, so when niching or finding your niche, you need to think about your audience and how to connect with them, build trust, and be relatable. Again, that's also the bigger picture stuff that when you're trying to monetize or you're trying to create a business out of um, or help this, use this avenue to promote your business, you want to be a relatable authority in something specific and you have to niche down on niches like if you're a horse if you're a horse person and you're into horses that's awesome but you can't just start like a random blog or vlog I mean you can but they a lot of again when you research this a lot of the experts will say that's great that you know about horses for an example but you can't just talk about all things horses it, it, you might want to start with something specific like a breed and you might want to talk about like their temperament and how to train them and then you can eventually branch out to training aids but I mean you you kind of want to be specific so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'll it's it's my rant on niches and and I'm definitely gonna niche down my fucking episodes I guess to me, it's like, I'm going to organize it better. I'm going to come up with stuff to talk about. And then that's what I'm going to talk about. So it's still random as fuck. But hey, just read the uh, titles and you'll be good. Just pick and choose, man. Willy nilly this shit. Unless 
you actually find me amusing or you find me absolutely hysterical and you want to poke fun at me, that's great. I, either way, just, yeah. So, anyways, fucking niches. Done. I've spent too long talking about this. This is, this is way, way too much. So, yep. Uh, I don't even know if I should add a transition. I'm still new to this, guys. I, I want to add a fun little whimsical transition. So that way we're done with niche rants and I can then start going into the holiday stuff. I feel like there needs to be a break and I feel like I need to go take a minute. So that's what we're going to do. Yep. Hold on to your hats. Or the seat of your pants. Either way. And if you're not wearing pants, just, just hold on to your butt. I'll be back. Alright guys. So... Let's get into this. Holidays. Yay! Let's be honest, the parties start in October and they don't really end until um, the beginning of January after New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. So, and I will say this, we do have a funny relationship as a society and or culture with holidays and history. We don't like to hear the bad and perpetuate childlike mythos, thoughts, and ideals about our history. And if you can't make it good, well, pull a Roman move. Death to Carthage. Bury it. Forget about it. Burn it. Destroy it with a vengeance. Which we have also learned from that whole thing that uh, nothing stays buried and eventually the truth will always come out. Eventually. So... It's almost like we're children, and we can't rec reconcile having both positive and negative at the same time these days. It has to either be black or white, or good or bad. So, everything has to be sunshine, unicorns, rainbows, I want to be a fucking mermaid. Or it has to be, like, doom, gloom, negative, fear-mongering, your insult, insult, insult. So, it, we just can't have it both ways we can't see the good with the bad and we can't take a negative and somehow like see the positive that comes from it so I don't know like that's why I say we have a very odd relationship with our history especially this day and age 2018 so with that being said, fair warning, if you don't like what I, if, if you don't like hearing history and all that, then just tune out now. Tune out and we're good. Um, I guess this is where I say, trigger warning, trigger warning. I might say some shit that's probably not exactly 100% PC that you may not like to hear, but whatever. So, fair warning, your choice. You can choose to listen, you can choose to carry on, or you can choose to ignore it, absorb it, not absorb it, and stop listening. Okay? Let's jump into it. Let's just, yeah, let's fucking get into this. So, the first record of Thanksgiving, or a Thanksgiving-type gathering in the Americas, was actually with the Spaniards in the mid to late 15th century. Then, quite a few years later, came the Pilgrims, and honestly, 
Side note, I've always been an odd child, an odd one, because there is a family home video on VHS tape, yes, I'm that old, of me at five years old talking about puke stockings and that pilgrims use them on boats for seasickness. Also, how they had to hang quite a few folks upon making landfall in the Americas because those people stole extra rations of food while at sea on their way to the New World. And because they stole extra rations while at sea, that was a crime punishable by death. But because they're pilgrims and their religious reasons, they couldn't, like, do that at sea and then kick the bodies overboard because, well, they're Christians and blah, blah, blah. So, upon landfall, they, they did the whole hang them until dead. And, mind you, I was five years old, dressed in a flower girl dress I had from one of my mom's friend's weddings, and I was imitating being hanged by the neck, complete with death sounds. So, that's grace. So, that's great. That was, I was a super sweet child that was already off to a great start of not being bullied and or weird, and off to a great start of keeping track of shit to be a random encyclopedia of completely random and useless shit. Pressing on. Forward into the annals of history. So, fast forward from that time to the time of Abraham Lincoln. Good old Honest Abe in 1863. Honest Abe made Thanksgiving, an official national holiday, and designated it to the third Thursday of every November. It was in the thick of the Civil War, and it was a call to action for unity in our country. Come together and lay down your differences and unify like the Native Americans and our ancestors did back then. Which, two reasons, this is a great irony. One, Abraham Lincoln was by no means unintelligent, but to be clear, he never finished elementary school. Even with the education system back then was completely different so from today for sure so gotta keep historical context in mind and all that jazz so he was not unintelligent but he didn't even finish elementary school and he became a president that in of itself is fascinating and that was a side note so continuing on too there was strict policies in place in regards to native americans and even during the civil war there was still the westward expansion happening and pushing native americans first peoples from their lands onto reservations or just straight eradication of entire smaller tribes Talk about hypocrisy and propaganda at its finest right there by one of our presidents that is hailed and revered as one of the greats and held in high esteem. Yet it definitely shows a time of great change and upheaval in the United States, our then young child-aged country. I mean, it is a bit contradictory. As we're fighting and warring with each other as a country nation, we're also exterminating natives on the Great Plains. And we decide to come up with a holiday that celebrates unity and coming together. Romanticizing at the same time to push this holiday. The relationship of goodwill and fellowship between your, our European ancestors and the Native Americans. Really does sound like any dysfunctional family nowadays to me. I mean, guys, we have an excuse. Brother literally fighting brother 
and killing brother. Brother literally killing brother. Expansion on the Great Plains out west to further our exploration and interests as a nation because we want it before fucking daddy parental England can fucking take it from us because fuck you mom and dad. We'll show you we're adults and can do better than you. Ha! Huh. Teenage U.S. nation angst as we're fighting amongst ourselves. Like, just rounding up and decimating the native savages at the time, too. And Papa Abe goes, damn kids, let's just, hey, hey, stop, just stop for two seconds and let's just get along. I declare this day a national holiday, Thanksgiving. Also, side note, that mythical first Thanksgiving we grew up with, Native Americans dressed completely historically inaccurate for the time of year, region, and tribe. Sitting around and sharing a meal with pilgrims that are also historically and accurately dressed as Puritans. Big difference between pilgrims and Puritans. Big difference. Just saying. Was basically the first example of government aid and assistance to illegal immigrants. So, history is great, guys. Fantastic. <sighs> so, that was the beginning of our odd relationship with holidays. And if we jump forward to between the 1920s and the 1930s, during the Great Depression, I'm starting to see a theme here. I'm starting to see a dream, a trend. Would you not agree? Another hard time for our country in the growth of the young United States, the invention of holiday shopping to help boost the economy came about. That's right, guys. Roosevelt worked with economists and businesses to promote holiday shopping. Christmas shopping was relegated to about the, the 12 days before Christmas. When people started giving gifts to each other. Let's be clear here, it was actually a pretty new practice. So, and at that time, during the 1920s and the 1930s, it just gained in popularity. So, um, and it got definitely, that thought of gift giving definitely got commercialized. Why would it not? It's just what we do. Yay economy, yay capitalism, yay free market, which is honestly, I feel that way. It's just, yeah, it's great. If you can capitalize on it, great. And our economy was in the tank, guys. It was in the shitter. People were selling their fucking kids. So we had to do something, and that was great. Like, so they come up with this idea. So if you fast forward to 1950s, um, after World War II and all that, and the baby boom, Department stores such as Macy's took that concept further with the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade with a balloon or a float, forget which, of fucking Santa Claus to get consumers to think about Christmas shopping and they ran special Christmases, Christmas pricing and details. And, um, and then the name Black Friday came about because in two separate, in a quote and an article, it was referenced as Black Friday. So, first quote was, Friday after Thanksgiving-itis is a desire second, or is a disease second only to the bubonic plague in its effects. At least that's the feeling of those who have to get production out when Black Friday comes along. That was said by a factory management and maintenance on November 1951. Because many an employee or worker would call off the Friday following Thanksgiving. This is when people still got Thanksgiving off, by the way, guys. To get that four-day fucking weekend. So employers were frustrated, much like today, with practice, or with the practice and the of calling out 
And the only thing worse in their eyes was the Black Death, bubonic plague. So, fucking encyclopedia of useless information here. But this brings me into the next thing. I, I really feel we need to pay royalties to the Philadelphia Police Department and the Philadelphia, like, transit system. Because they coined that term Black Friday. And it's stuck. And we use it now. Back, back in the 50s. In an article by Gordon S. White Jr. in a special to the New York Times, Philadelphia, November 28th. Philadelphia police and bus drivers call it Black Friday, that day each year between Thanksgiving Day and the Army-Navy game. It is the busiest shopping and traffic day of the year in the Bicentennial City as the Christmas list is checked off and the Eastern College football season nears conclusion. So... Yeah, it was Black Friday was from people calling off from work and related to um, busy time for traffic and shopping. So then when you fast forward to the 1980s, Black Friday shifted its meaning from congested traffic in stores to more focus on shopping and marketing, and Black Friday was now referencing the black ink from all the profits consumers brought in by the sales at the end of the day, showing an upward trend in revenue and no longer needing red ink. So companies went from the red to the black. Then you fast forward to 2008. Ten years ago in 2008, the first case of a retail employee was first reported after a retail worker was trampled to death. I'm not going to say what company. You can look it up. Google, YouTube. It's amazing for that. The first employee fatality of Black Friday was in 2008. There have been others and before and since, I'm sure. Many a death, many a fight, many a stabbing, many a mauling of customer-on-customer violence and tramplings of customers. Which is really ironic when you think about it because it's everybody trying to do Christmas shopping. So, supposedly Christians start to go nuts to start shopping for shit in preparation for a holiday celebrating a man that renounced material possessions. Makes no sense. It's ironic just how that happens so black in case you guys are wondering and you guys want a comprehensive list of like the madness and the injuries and the death count from black friday a comprehensive list you guys can always check out blackfridaydeathcount.com it will make you weep and stun you if you're interested in black friday like deaths and violent incidents throughout the years just saying and FYI, right now it sits at 10 deaths and 111 injuries, which my morbid curiosity will make me check it out later next week. Just saying. So, history of the kickoff to our holiday season. I think I'm going to need a stiff drink now. <sighs> so, <clears throat> fact that blackfridaydeathcount.com is a thing just hurts my soul a little bit but and if you fast forward to this year of 2018 a week ago on cnn's like 
market stock market channel whatever um they interviewed an an economist of from jp morgan his name's matthew something i don't know my mom sent it to me so i just kind of looked into it but leading up to that interview the prediction this year is astounding by the way like e-commerce people and economists predict that 2018 U.S. Black Friday sales are estimated to surpass $1 trillion for the first time ever. $1 trillion over that. I mean, there are a few factors that play into this, obviously, and I'm not an economist. I'm not, it's not, budgeting and shit interests me for myself. But thinking it on, thinking about it on a grand scale, whatever. So, like, the quick bullet points from this fucking interview was unemployment rates at a 49-year low or a 9-year low. It was hard to hear, guys, because my house is a cacophony cornucopia of fucking sounds and noises. Three kids, two cats, one dog, and Aaron. And myself. And there's a lot of, what? Huh? Crying. Something falling and breaking and what happened <laughs> oh my gosh it's fine just calm down it was a box it was a box guys and cat get out of that so yeah so anyways it was a, but but nine was in there for sure and i believe it was a nine-year low unemployment rates at a nine-year low 20-year high of consumer confidence the consumer has more options now in regards to where to shop convenience economical and competitive price like economical economical and competitive are all hand in hand and thanks to e-commerce which is great but with the positive comes the negative the death of malls and box stores like toys r us and again there's there's more to it than that but i'm not an expert so this is just like the fucking bullet points that these were the reasons that they were explaining why we were we u.s citizens and consumers were going to spend over one trillion, not one billion, one trillion with a T, tango, T, trillion dollars for the first time ever. So with all this history rundown and what retail sales are projected to be, I, as a retail worker, understand why there's such an emphasis this year on our Black Friday sales and why everybody's fucking losing their minds. Management of all levels, I'm sure. This is the most companies and corporations make in the year. Like, their yearly profit goals are met by this last push for Christmas. So, I think this is a great lead into some public service announcements from your friendly dead inside retail workers and some possible ways to be as stress-free as you can be. You as a consumer have a ton of power. You don't like policies of specific companies or corporations? Don't shop at them. Period. We all know that regular hourly associates at retail stores usually have to work either the day before the day of or the day after Thanksgiving or all three days. So while we appreciate the good-natured, I'm so sorry you have to work comment, just judge your audience, read the room. We have to work because you choose to shop. That's it. That's all there is to it. 
Like, we appreciate it. Some of us actually will go, oh, thank you, and mean it. The rest of us, we just nervously kind of chuckle, and again, we're kind of dead inside, because we see the best and worst of you guys, ever. And some of us will chuckle and just go, ah, thanks, I know, it sucks, hurry up and get the fuck out so I can go the fuck home. We'll never say that to your face, but that's kind of how we feel. Um, put stuff back. Be an adult, not a kid. Put shit back. If you're not going to get it, put it back. If you can't afford it, we get that. That's fine. That's okay. We've all been there. It happens. But if you're halfway through your shopping trip and you realize that you don't want something and you put it on a random shelf, just, just don't. Just put it back. Um... Yeah, I mean, you can look up YouTube videos and they'll go into, like, a lot of the other ones for ya. But those are just some of my PSAs as a retail worker. So, yeah. So now, when it comes to being stress-free, trying to be stress-free on a personal level for Christmas and holiday season... Um, here's a few things that I like. Under-promise and over-deliver to your children or family. Kids are so used to a tons of presents. Like, they're so used to it. Part of the reason why Black Friday consumerism and holiday shopping, Christmas trees being brought into the house and presents being wrapped got so big was because, again, marketing ploys and all that back from the 30s all the way to now. So... When everybody sees their friends and family with a Christmas tree. Well, I want a Christmas tree. Why do they have a Christmas tree? And it's all this keeping up with the Joneses bullshit. And it got even fucking worse with social media. Again, I'm a little fucking ranty. I apologize. And if you don't like intense language, I'm sorry. It's just social media makes it worse. It really does. We overshare everything. I think I've already said that. We do. We overshare everything. So, and people think that the quantity of stuff symbolizes your love and devotion and that you're the best mom on the planet when you can afford. Look at how successful I am. Look at how great I'm doing. Look at how much I love my kids because we have a mountain of presents. From You can't even see the floor, and you can hardly see the ceiling because it goes all the way up. It looks like a warehouse at Amazon in my house. But only everything's, like, packaged way better. No. Quality over quantity. Quality makes you happier. Quantity doesn't. You can't take quantity with you to the grave. Sorry, you just can't. Quality of memories keep you warm and happy in your twilight years. And many an old folk, after seven years as a medaid and a caregiver, many of my residents have said the quality of their time spent with their kids, the memories they've made, is the legacy that they will leave. And that's enough for them as long as they have somebody that loves them and will continue to remember them in a positive light. That's all. And it's humbling. And it's grounding. So, I mean, when it comes to your kids, under-promise and over-deliver. And do something to cause your kids to be intentional. Aaron and I have found that we don't have to 
buy a ton of stuff for our kids. And not because we're like so well-to-do and we have such great kids and our families are so well-to-do, but our friends and our family love our kids. We not only love them, our friends and our family love them. And because we live in Indiana and we've only lived here for two years and 90% of our family lives back in Washington, we get a lot of shit mailed to us, okay? And to our kids. Because grandkids kind of, you know, it's a thing. So the kids get a lot of the needs or a lot of the wants. Correction. The kids get a lot of the wants and the cool, shiny, awesome stuff from, like, Grandma and Grandpa back in Washington. And Grandma, Nana, and Papa back in Washington. And from Great Grandma and Great Grandpa up in Wisconsin. Like, they get, they get stuff from our friends and family and the people that love them. So us as their parents, we can just focus on buying four presents. For our kids the whole pinterest something you want something you need something to wear something to read and it's great when we talk to them about what they want they don't need to fill up a page okay write your list for santa claus and they don't need to fill up a full full fucking page we we're teaching them to be intentional and when they're intentional they get use actual use out of that Obviously, our one and two-year-old can't quite do that just yet. But with our six-year-old, our oldest, definitely. And because he's learning how to read and because he's learning how to write, this is fucking awesome. Because then he gets to pick out, he gets to tell us what kind of books he wants to read. And what he wants read to him. And that's great. And then when he gets to pick out something, like when he gets something to wear... He actually really enjoys it, and he actually wants to, like, wear it and show it off, and he's not, like, one of those kids like I was. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't have the greatest childhood, but I didn't have the worst fucking childhood ever, and I love you, Mom. If you ever listen to this one day, I love you. Just know that, but I'm not gonna lie. My mom was definitely one of those where she took fucking pictures to show off at work, and she always, one of my stepdad's when I was younger, was really well-to-do, and so she could afford fucking tons of presents, and and I would always, like, I was an ungrateful little shit sometimes, so I'm just saying. Because of that, I, I just want my kids to be more intentional and to get use out of their stuff, and yeah, like, and it's not about that. As I've gotten older, I've realized it's, it's not about showing off to your friends or to people on social media. Who the fuck cares? About the quality the quality not the quantity so comparing yourself to others on social media based on presence is just ridiculous and traditions are what you remember not buying or proving your love via presence like your traditions of baking cookies and going ice skating that's what counts so that's kind of under promise and over deliver to your children. Two, mark on your calendar. Set the time aside and the money aside to make this your intention. Not buying a ton of gifts, you know, give your kids money to do stuff with. Like this one YouTuber, I forget her fucking name because I, I, oh, it's Hey Hey Casey Ray. Aha, I actually wrote it down. Sweet. Um, it was in her top three tips for stress-free Christmas holiday season. And she posted it up last year. So, but um, one of the things was um, she said, like, 
she got her kids wallets and she put in gift cards for like Starbucks and um like stores and and places like she she filled it up with gift cards so that way the money was already spent and they had x amount and then she could go do shit with her kids and they they got to pick out their stuff and I think that's great I I would really honestly like to do like 15 20 dollars on a Barnes and Noble gift card for my oldest son my six-year-old so we can have a day where we take just him to go to the bookstore and pick out his books something to read not there's not a lot of big shit to open up under the tree but i really like that idea that was brilliant and because it's the gift of experience like that's what she said it was like the gift of experience it's not just you get a material thing from it but then you get the experience of going with mom and dad or going with mom or going with dad like it doesn't matter you get the experience of just having like that time with your family to go like if I got a stone cold creamery card like some froyo frozen yogurt ice cream gift card for all of my kids we can then as a family go out and have ice cream and use the gift cards and it's the experience of us going out as a family like that that is that's phenomenally fantastic, and I love it. So, yeah, that's what I like. So, like, those are a few few things that resonated with me. Be realistic. Holidays don't have to be perfect or just like past years. As families change and grow, traditions and rituals will have to change with them. Choose a few to hold on to and be open to creating new ones. Like, that's something Aaron and I definitely learned within the last two years because we moved from Washington State to Indiana. <laughs> we moved to half a fucking continent from 90% of our family to only having one person in the area that we're related to. And it's my dad. <laughs> and I love him. I love you, Dad. And I'm sorry that I got a little sweary. And if you ever listen to this, I apologize. I know you said, watch your language. I'm trying, I'm trying, it's only the second episode, but I'll get better, I promise. But, like, our traditions definitely had to change. When we got together, when Aaron and I got together, they had to fucking change. Like, and then, of course, having kids. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna try and go from my brother's house out in Timbuktu and the fucking woods, 40... I'm not going to try and go there for dinner and then drive 45 minutes to your parents' house to have dessert and coffee. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And I'm, it sucked because that was like our first Thanksgiving together. That's, that was the, that was the plan. It clearly didn't work out. We just ended up having Thanksgiving with my family, but then we ended up having Christmas with his. What? And then then the next year we were going to have, um, we had Thanksgiving with his family and Christmas with mine. So yeah, you know, and when it comes to your family, set aside the differences, try to accept family members as they are, even if they fall flat or short of expectation. That's, that's one of the things that we have with our families that they tend to fall short of expectation. 
we had issues with them last year and we had a dysfunctional family feud and then you know things got better over the year like over the year and we're expecting like when thanksgiving comes around that they'll forget it and they'll move on and and then they don't and so it falls flat or short of our expectations so set aside your grievances for a later time and be understanding if others get upset if something goes awry like they may be feeling the stress and depression of the holidays as well like just saying and it is a really for some people they really suffer the worst from depression around this time of year so um you know when it comes to your family too i like stagecoach rules honestly don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, don't cuss in front of women and children, and just keep a bottle of whiskey open. Just one. So then that way everybody gets a shot. And you're good. Stick to a budget. Decide how much you can afford, and don't try to buy approval and love with gifts. Again, it kind of goes back to that gift giving. You know, just, just keep it simple. And plan ahead. Plan specific days for shopping and baking and visiting friends and family. Plan your menu in advance and budget for it. Line, don't forget to line up for party prep and cleanup help. Like if you have a really good friend that are like, I'm really close with um, one of my cousins back in Washington. Like we're basically sisters. And if we decided to do a holiday together, I mean boom, we would definitely line up the other, like, hey, you know what, we're going to have the rest of the family come over, I'll come over early, and we'll just fucking have a glass of wine, and have some sister time, and I'll help prep, and then I've got kids, so I can't stay, but, you know, like, I can only stay maybe an hour afterwards, and then, you know, we'll help you clean up, so don't, don't be afraid to ask for help, have that, have your mom, have your favorite sibling or favorite cousin i mean we don't have favorites what no never but have that person that you love spending time with they love spending time with you and just ask them you know hey if you're coming over if you're coming over for thanksgiving you mind coming over early let's just have some fucking wine time and let's just prep for this like let's just fucking have a vent sesh or like a gossip sesh you know, definitely would love that, or, hey, let's have the after party, while we clean up, fucking put on some 90s music, drink the last of the wine, maybe start breaking into the rum, in the apple cider, or hot chocolate, spiced hot chocolate, spiced apple rum, spiced apple cider, um, <clears throat> I really don't drink a lot, guys, I promise. (laughs) Anyways, you know, so just don't be afraid to ask for fucking help. And learn to say no. Saying yes can leave you feeling very resentful and overwhelmed. Friends, colleagues, and family, they'll understand. If you can't say no, try to prioritize and remove something else from your agenda. Maybe you don't need that extra day of shopping. Maybe you can take that extra day and do something else. But really try to say no. Like, they'll understand, guys. We're all going through the same shit. 
And here's another big one. Don't abandon your healthy habits. Overindulgence only adds to your stress and guilt. It really does. You'll beat yourself up. It's like fucking mom guilt. Oh, I don't want to leave my kid, but I'm going to leave my kid. I feel like such a piece of shit. Don't do that. Have healthy snacks before parties. Limit your sweets, candy, cheese, and drinks. And get adequate sleep and don't stray from working out. Or, or you know, maybe not work out as hard, but just go an extra lap around the block when you take your dog out for a walk or just add some physical activity in there. Um, you know, hey, eat some fucking celery before you go to Thanksgiving dinner or before you go to the office holiday party. Just fucking, it's not a lot of calories and, you know, you fucking won't regret yourself later, but you, but you won't also eat all the fucking fudge and half the cheesecake. Just saying. Take time for yourself and get a breather in, even if it's 15 minutes, to go for that walk, that healthy activity exercise, read a book, taking a hot bath, declutter your mind and slow it down from time to time. Go out and have a fucking cigarette. I know, I'm a horrible person and I still smoke. Whatever. Which, by the way, little quick side note rant, anybody who ever suggests vaping to me, fuck you. Just fuck you hard, because every vapor I know, oh, I no longer smoke, I vape now. And yet, fucking 98% of those assholes will come up to me and try and bum a fucking cigarette. And I'm tired of it. No, you're vaping for a reason. You want to quit. You're still getting nicotine. You're not getting a cigarette. Sorry, you chose to give it up. Me, I don't care what people think. Judge me all you fucking want. I like my nicotine. <laughs> not, to down, not to sound like... Dennis Leary... And his whole little alcohol and nicotine. Alcohol and cigarettes. That's what I like. But from his stand-up in like the 90s? Yeah. But anyways. And learn to recognize your holiday depression, anxiety, and stress triggers. Such as financial pressures, personal demands and agendas. Family members that stress you out. If they are, if it's toxic and they stress you out, just don't go. Just don't do it. Plan a little, keep positive thoughts, and, and you can find peace and joy this holiday. Like, that's, you, you have the right to tell your family what your line is and to not talk about things until January. So, like, you have that right. Just, just recognize your your triggers, and don't be afraid to just go, you know what, I love you, I want to have a good time with you, I want this memory for my kids, I want this memory for myself, can we just not talk about this right now, and if you know, you know your family, you know, like, oh, Uncle Todd is going to push the issue because Uncle Todd thinks that he is the world's most fantastic prankster, if you know that about your Uncle Todd, and he starts going, oh, what, you don't want to talk? Oh, come on, it's okay, let's talk about it. And he keeps pushing and pushing. It's okay to go, you know what, I love you guys. I'm going to go check out what Grandma's doing out on, out in the sunroom. I'm going to go see how that pinochle game's going. Because then you know that Grandma's going to fucking tell Uncle Todd where he can put his opinions. Shut up, you're ruining the game. 
Unless you're gonna play, get the fuck out. Alright, Mom. Cause come on, that was his mom. He ain't gonna disrespect Mom, especially after I'm making dinner for you. If you want turkey, you will learn to respect that I just need my time. Grandmothers fucking get it, man. They do. They fucking get it. I have done this so many times, and your great-grandmother used to give me shit, and, like, everybody else used to give me crap, and so, no, this is my time. I'm the grandmother. I made, I helped out a little bit. I made the pecan pie, and I made my delicious fucking turkey that'll put you into a coma for 15 fucking years. Leave me alone. My grandma's have been there, done that. And now, people like my mom, my mom has been there, done that. She has no problems putting us in our places. Okay, that's it, I can't handle this. You guys need to stop. So, yeah, know your triggers. Know, know who you can go to that will shut everybody up so that way you're not the asshole. If you can't say no, there you go. Plan ahead. Figure this out stress-free. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Also, that's the other thing when it comes to your family, too. Leave when everyone is having fun. Leave on a high note. After your team wins the game, don't stick around. Go, you know what? That's great. Yes, we ate dinner. We ate. We drank. We were merry. We watched our team fucking kick ass and take names. Woo! This was fun. I'll see you guys on Christmas. Bye! That's okay. That's okay to do that. Leave on a high note. So that way your memory is still fresh and awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. So on that note, I'm leaving on a high note. This is your host, Morgan. It's been really fun. Ranting retail and regaling history. Even though it was a very quick, condensed version. Kind of like Cliff Notes. Or spark notes. I don't know if anybody remembers what those are or, or even if they still have them, but uh, I'm referencing it. I'm old. I get it. But uh, yeah, it's been really fun. Welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Displaced Underdogs. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Check back next week uh, for the next episode. Uh, we will be having a story time, possible retail rant, but definitely a story time because I do work retail and some sh- funny shit's going to happen. It may be completely boring, but you never know. Definitely throw out a story time for you. So, all right, guys. Thank you. Love you. Check us out. Uh, we're also on Instagram, so follow me on Instagram um, next week, too. I don't want to. I don't want to promise anything, but um, Aaron might actually be a guest on the show. So, yay! I look forward to that. I'm going to see if I can talk him into it. So, anyways, yeah, we're, we're on Instagram, so if you want to follow us there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. So, yeah, you can look us up there. There's not a lot posted. I'm sorry. I just, I fucking work, and it's the holidays. And retail is just madness. Madness. So, but I, I'll get better at it, I promise. Just like, hopefully I'll get better at recording these episodes. So, have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Have a happy and safe early bird shopping. That's 
all the shit that happens on Thanksgiving Day, and then have a happy and great, safe Black Friday. Be safe out there, guys. Enjoy your holiday. Be smart. Be courteous. Be kind. And enjoy it. Enjoy your dysfunctional family feuds. And if you have any stories that you want to share, by all means, share them. I've got fucking story time coming up next week. I would love to be able to share your stories. So, hope you guys enjoyed. See you guys later. Bye.